All right, man, I need Mac to come on up. Mac is going to be representing God the Father to us. Now, I know we're going to have to stretch our imaginations a bit, but, uh, you know, and he, he's not claiming, but just for the sake of this uh, illustration, I need him to represent God the Father to us. Zane, I need you to come up and represent God the Spirit to us, all right? And, uh, and Terry, I, I need you to come up and help and represent God the Son to us, all right? So, so here they are, and in, uh, in, in before time began, before anything ever happened, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were in perfect fellowship, man. They didn't need man, didn't need anything. They were in perfect fellowship, but they desired us. They, they created us. They chose to create us so that we could have a relationship with them. Because right now, y'all kind of like get in a circle and lock arms, man. There you go. Circle, man. Not half There you go. All right. And, and there they are, man. They're in third fellowship. You can break that up because we're going to uncomfortable. We are. <laughs> but they weren't uncomfortable. All right. And uh, so uh, anyways, uh, so here they are. And, and so now we have Seth, who is just a regular old Christian, okay? <laughs> now hang on, hang tight, hang tight, because we're all regular old Christians. Some people think certain Christians are superstars and this and that and the other. But dude, we're all in the same boat, just different seats, man. How many of y'all have had your seat changed since you've been a Christian? How many of y'all have it changed more and you like it changed? And, but you know that changes by God's design. So he's just a regular old Christian. We don't even know what seat he's in. But he gave his life to Christ, and so... Right now, he is surrounded by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's, he's surrounded. <laughs> okay? And, and that's how we live positionally. Positionally, once you give your life to Christ, hey, what kind of life do you have? What's it called? What's that E word? Eternal. eternal. And how long does eternal last for? Forever. So no one can steal it from you. You don't have to renew it. Man, it can't fall out of your pocket. You don't lose it. It's eternal. So positionally, he is surrounded by God. Now, the idea, that's it, man. And so, so you know, you play whatever. There, we have three enemies in this world. We've got the devil, obviously. We've got the world system uh, that Jesus is letting the devil kind of do right now. And one day uh, in Revelation, we read that he's going to take the deed back, the title back, and everything's going to be perfect. So we've got, we've got the devil, we've got the world system, and we've got our flesh. Seth, Seth show us the flesh, man. I'm just waiting. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting to see how he's going to do that. But thank you for being modest and discreet, you know, about showing us the flesh. All right. Because other people show flesh in other ways, don't they? All right. So in this, we've got those three enemies in there. So, so we've got the devil, man. And, and anybody ever had the enemy? I mean, I think he gets blamed for a lot of stuff that the flesh does. You think so? I think there's a lot of things. Oh, devil attacked me. No, you're just being stupid. That's what the problem uh, in all this. But... But I think sometimes, basically, the devil does. He sees you getting tired of God. What happens, man? He would much rather have you be a nice, lukewarm Christian that's kind of mamby-pamby Christianity here that kind of is here, there, and everywhere, and it's all feelings, all whatever, and never none of the hard stuff. He'd love that because that's then what you would represent to the world as Christianity as opposed to a thriving, relation, growing relationship to a living God. That which is what we're supposed to be demonstrating to the world as ambassadors. So he sees Seth getting tight, you know, with God. And it's like, dude, I got to mess this up. 
So as a devil, I come in, and I'm trying to come in, but let me ask you a question. Who's bigger than the devil? <laughs> the one that's in us, yeah. The one that's in us is more powerful, bigger. He's not even a problem. Now, me going against Seth, you know, man, we'll see how that works out. But as long as he stays, where are you all? Look at him, he's coming out from his protection. Yeah, he's coming out from his protection here. And so he comes out from his protection, man. You know what? Positionally, he's not lost his salvation, but practically speaking, you get out from under God's protection, man. You get your tail kicked. Anybody had your tail kicked? Because you because you got a little big and bad and bold and cocky and you got out from under God. But but yet, so so the point, you see that? So God's calling Seth back. Go back, go back. Alright. So that now devil wouldn't tell you to do that. Alright. But God is, he's calling him back right there. And, and so, so in this, so that's, that's the enemy. The world system. Hey, Seth, you just got ordained, man. You just graduated. But you know what? There's no money in that. I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be, you know what, man? And, and, and you're going to be in battle, spiritual battle all the time because as you're leading people to Christ, man, the, you're going to have big opposition. The more you stand for Christ, the more the enemy in the world is going to be an enemy to you. Man, so Seth, come on, man. Come on back to the computer world where you can make big bucks, bro. Come on back. And, and he gets lured away. We have ways of getting lured away. He's calling them back. He's calling them back. But so, so there's ways we get lured back. And, 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 yeah. and that's it. That's the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, walking alongside right here, walking alongside us. And so, so listen, man, if here's you and here's God and you don't let pressure get between you, it just pushes you closer together. Let's see that. You don't let me get in. I'm pressure. Look at that. I can't. It pushes you closer to God. But if you let it get in, it pushes you farther away. Now, again, positionally, once you have eternal life, there's nothing you can do to not be God's child. But practically speaking, you don't walk with him. You've got an enemy that is like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And so what we're talking about today in the book of Acts, we can use the same outline as last week. But the thought that I want you to take away is that when the tough, when the going gets tough, help me out up here. When the going gets tough, the tough gets higher to God. You got a choice, man. You can let pressure push get between you and God, or you can let it push you closer to Him. And so, if you let it push you closer to Him, you are surrounded. So let's say they're surrounded. So let me ask you a question: When does Seth move from this spot over to this spot? He's surrounded by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When does he move over here from that spot? When what happens? When they do. When they do. So guys, come on, man. Walk in unit. So you see, how to, man, I don't know what to do. Well, you do. You, when you're tight with God, you move with God. God says, go here. And then now God's like, hey, I want you over here. And God shows us because we're in fellowship with him. We're surrounded by him and he's moving and we move with him. But if we don't like that move, what happens sometimes? God wants us to move, and, and it's like, Seth, I want you to go backwards, freezing cold. In fact, you, you were up in Massachusetts, and it was cold up there, right? Dude, I'm sending you to Russia. You're going to be my new Siberian missionary in Russia. So the Holy Spirit's moving, but Seth, with his shorts on, is not moving. <laughs> How many of you all have that in a hard time moving? <laughs> with God, but the best place to be is right 
come back here, in the center, <laughs> right in the center of God's will. Well, right? So there's our illustration. Again, the point is when the going gets tough, the tough get what? Tighter to God. Dude, when it starts getting tough, have you ever thought about the fact that when you're in a situation that is super tough, a situation that requires faith, that God might have just put you in that because he wants more fellowship with you? Because he wants you, he loves you, and left to yourself, man, you, 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 you just, you're not going to desire that? Man, he wants you, he loves you. What does it say in Hebrews we study? It says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you've got to believe he is who he says he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if it requires faith to please him, you ever stop to think of the, the situations that you get put in that require faith? Those are the ones you can't do on your own. That they are there by God's design to please him. And he's going to give you everything you need to please him. So give these guys a hand real quick. Yeah. Yay God. Yay God. All right. So, so, the, so the idea again is if this is you and this is God, and if you let distractions you let pressure in this life get between you two it pushes you farther apart and that's what the enemy's plan is that's what that's what your flesh is going to naturally do that's what the world wants you to do is count on the world wait god wants me to do this but this this makes sense this makes sense how many ever made some bad decisions on something that made sense because as a believer it wasn't what god wants you to do you may not even find out about those bad decisions until you get in eternity and you realize opportunities that you may have missed. The coolest things you'd ever get to experience, you're going to experience through faith. So last week, we uh, jumped back into the book of Acts, and we were talking about Paul's first missionary journey. He had kind of gone to Creed. He, had, he, had, he actually had, like, they, some say pneumonia, malaria, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he went into Antioch, which is up in the mainland, in Antioch, and he preached the gospel. What happened when he preached the gospel? What happened? People got what? People got, oh, before that, man, you're looking at the bad part. What happened to begin with? People got saved, man. People gave their life to Christ. But the Jews who were not saved, they got ticked off. They got upset because they lost some of their power. And so they started bad-mouthing, causing trouble. And they got rant. Paul and Barnabas got run out of town. So when they got run out of town, they now went all the way up to Iconium, which is where we're going to be. So they went from Antioch up to Iconium in this area where they're at up there. And, and Mia, knowing the Greek language the way you do, please help me with my pronunciations because, dude, I got a southern cracker pronunciation for every one of these Greek names, all right? This is Iconium. That's where he's at. Iconium, right, Zane? Iconium. All right. So... <laughs> they make good chicken in Iconium. No, but, but anyway, so it got to Iconium, and, and get, so they got run out of town. They could have thought, man, oh, you know what? I had enough of this God stuff. I'm going back to doing what I was doing. I'm going back, you know, because let me, let me share this. Did we know how far it was from Antioch to where God told them to stop? From Antioch up to Iconium, how far that was that they were walking, Paul and Barnabas? 90 miles. <laughs> How many of you at mile nine would have been questioning, hey, what do you think, mile nine? Dude, God, come on. Remember Seth walking in the middle of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And, and at some point, I didn't say you, didn't, you never started with him, but the problem is sometimes we don't finish with him. We don't continue with him. We start, and then we're like, this is far enough. You know what? I, I can't trust you, God, to go the rest of the way. Now, we don't say that, but we do by our actions. 
So they're going all the way up to Iconium. And let me ask you a question. Why did Paul, why did Paul leave? Was it John because they threw him out of town? That was the carnal reason we saw. But the real reason they left was because who was drawing them out of there? Who wasn't drawing them out of there? With persecution. You understand that's how the church has always spread is through persecution? First century, everybody's totally cool, living in Jerusalem, woo, doing all their stuff, and they wouldn't leave. So God had to put some things in place. Long story short, he got this dude named Nero, and, and the guy thought it would be really cool since Rome was all built up. He thought it would be really cool to burn it all down so that, so that then he could build it all up new again. How many of y'all be excited if you went home and your house was burned down? I mean, wouldn't that be cool, especially if the, the governor said, we're going to build you a new one, right? Mike and Christine, would that not be awesome? There's a note. I, you know, some of us have mixed emotion on that, but he thought they were all thinking it was cool. But the bottom line is everybody started hating him for it. So guess who he blamed? Christians. The Christians. The Christians started getting persecuted. Hey, let me ask you a question. Whose plan was that? It was God's plan to get them out of Jerusalem and get them going and, 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 and sharing the gospel in other places. So Paul, on this missionary journey, he's going to run into a lot of opposition. But it's not God saying, this is not what you're supposed to do. It was God's way of moving him into the next preaching point, the next place of ministry. And he sometimes does that for us. So when the going gets tough, the tough get what? Yeah, because at, when it gets tough... Is it important to know that you're right in the center of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, or you're out here on your own hanging like a piece of meat on a shark hook during the migration? Which one do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? So, so in this, that's where Paul and Barnabas, they got run out of town. They got kicked out of town, but who orchestrated that? Can I ask you? God, the Father orchestrated it the same way he does in our lives. And again, if we would realize that it is all to make us more like Christ, that it is all to bring him glory, and it is all for our good, we'd have a lot less anxiety in our life. Dude, we have the saying, we're surfers. We don't, how many of y'all surf in here? Anybody surf? Okay, raise your hand, man. Hey, Tom, do, do you go out and make a wave and then go catch a wave? No, because if you would never get past the part of making the wave, right? You just go out there and ride whatever is out there. We don't make waves, we ride them. And that's what God wants us to do in life. we got to see it from his perspective and ride it the way he wants. And you may be surprised it may be the ride of your life. And it never ends. So in this, this is where we come up in this next section. It's the same basic outline as last week. Um, I just didn't think that you wanted to hear these other two stories and spend another hour and a half here. And uh, those of you that are new, we should be out of here by about two. So we're good. we got to go now. <laughs> Y'all are laughing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. This has a potential, Terry, to be the shortest message ever. The potential. <laughs> and they put the clock back over there where I could see. Oh, I got two clocks, man. No matter where I'm looking. All right. So in this, we will be done when the Holy Spirit is done. And if you're done before the Holy Spirit's done, just you're good, man. We'll call you out, right? All right. So again, you remember last week the outline? Uh, when you go share the gospel. There's going to be a couple results, and, and there's something we need to do. So here's our worship aerobics again. All right, everybody, everybody point forward and say, some follow. Come on, man. Everybody, uh, some follow. Way, way to represent your family right here. I see them taking down, but all right, Terry, just, just get your arm right here. Come on, man, some follow. All right, so, so you share the gospel. Has anybody ever shared the gospel with somebody, and they're just like, 
Amen. Where do I sign on the dotted line? There it is. Some follow. If the Holy Spirit's working in their life, and man, they follow. So some follow, right? But then we also saw, and we're going to see through the book of Acts, some follow, but some what? Some fight. Maybe the individual fighting, maybe the people who used to control the people who are now following that are, are causing the fight. But you're always going to have, if nobody fights, man, it, the devil's going to fight because he has just lost a soul for eternity. And so some follow, some fight, but we must do what's right. All right. So y'all got that little uh, disco move down now. All right. Here we go. Some follow, some fight, but we've got to do what's right. How many of y'all remember that from last week? Because of these cheesy hand motions, right? All right. Did you, did you put some lower body like uh, choreography with that, Sam? No, not yet. Work on it for next week, all right? Some, fo some follow, some fight. I'm not even going to do it. Some follow, some fight, but we've got to do what's right. So let's take a look again at this uh, next part of the story, knowing they went from Antioch up to Iconium. Now, the interesting thing for the next, uh, you know, uh, end of this chapter, they're all going to be in this area of Galatia. Uh, anybody ever heard of the book of Galatians? Okay. And the theme of the book of Galatians is religious liberty because what the Judaizers were doing to the Galatians was telling them, okay, all right, so if you're going to give your life to Christ and have eternal life, that's cool, but you still have to do all the Jewish things. You still have to do these rituals. You still have to. And Paul writes the book to the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, to tell them about their freedom in Christ that they follow the Holy Spirit of God, and he leads them. A spirit-filled life is, what do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. It's that simple walk that's hard, right? What do you want me to do now, God, and do it? So we start off here. This is where this church probably even got planted by Paul. Don't know that for sure, but it's probably where it did. Some follow, okay? Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. So, dude, this is pagan territory here. This place has never heard the gospel. This is like us going to some remote tribes that nobody's ever even been to down in South America or Africa or, or Alabama or I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? No, <laughs> but it they, they're, they're going in. And so what Paul was doing, even though last week it was being introduced to the Jews, the Jews got the gospel first, but now it was being introduced to the Gentiles. He knew he would go into the synagogues first. And the Jews had kind of proselytized. They had kind of evangelized and spread. And so anywhere there was 10 Jewish men, they would have a synagogue. So it says they went together to the synagogue, to the Jews. He would just start out there and, and try to share the gospel with the Jews. And look what happened. And so spoke that a great multitude, a great multitude, all he did, what did he do? He so what? Yeah, he went and he spoke. How many of y'all can go and speak? I didn't say what yet, but how many of y'all can go and speak? We can all do that, right? You know? We can all go and speak. How many of us are going and speaking? This. So he went and he spoke, and a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Now, let me ask you a question. Was that because Paul was so convincing and Barnabas was so good of a speaker and because they knew theology so well? All you need to know to be able to share the gospel is what Christ did for you. If you're saved, you know how to share the gospel. You simply share with others what he's done for you. That's what we talk about all the time, about seeing life from God's perspective. You know, even beyond salvation, every day we see 
everything that goes on in our life from his perspective so that when somebody else comes to us that God has brought, we can then help them see life from God's perspective. But it starts with the gospel, which is very simple, that Jesus died on a cross to pay for sinners' sins. And if you have the faith or you have the desire, you have the ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross will save you and you surrender yourself to him, you have eternal life. You know, we have numerous ways to say it again. Um, and, and we'll talk about it at the end. We'll give you some more ways. We talked even about yet yeah, last week. Um, we talked about the, these colors that are on the card. And, and Mac, I see you have a shirt on. We stand up, Mac. Real super quick, thank you. And, and so the, the gold in that, this is simple. This was Child Evangel and Fellowship. This was the wordless book. We stole it. People think it's Jamaica. They ask us questions, and we share the gospel with them, right? So the gold represents the fact that Mac has a home where? In heaven. But the black represents the fact that he didn't always have a home in heaven. It represents his what? His sin that kept him separated from God. The red represents the only thing that could cover his sin, which is the what? The blood of Christ, that God gave him the desire and ability to believe that if he applied that to his life, his sins were not only forgiven, but they were positionally taken, they were taken away. And the reason God didn't take him to heaven, but left him here is represented by the green. And that is to be an ambassador. And as he walks through this broken world in God's presence, with God's power, seeing it from his perspective, Max, stand up, stand up, stand up, that, that green Rev, that as he, now I got to start all over. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, so as he lives in this broken world and he sees it from God's perspective, but he lives in God's presence and God's power, he can, what's the G word that represents green? He can grow more in love with Christ, watching Christ work in his life. And as he grows more in love with Christ, he grows more in love with who? everyone else and that's why he's sharing it mac thank you sit down please you, you sit down now bro so again that's all he's preaching he's preaching the word he's he's simply sharing with them what christ has done for him you don't have to have the seminary degree you don't have to have a a, a, a systematic plan there's tons of here's another one um a friend um, abc's how many of you ever heard of the abc version of the gospel yeah every if you ever been to vacation bible school there it is abc is 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 uh, accept the fact that uh, accept the fact you're a sinner. Okay, uh, that's a hard one to swallow sometimes, right? In a prideful world, accepting you're a sinner. B is that right, or did I just make that up, Christy? Oh, admit you're a sinner. Thank you. That's I was waiting for y'all to help me out here, right? Uh, admit you're a sinner. I, I like better accept that you're a sinner because you can't admit it until you accept it. All right. You know, all right, so admit you're a sinner. Bottom line, you need a savior. If you don't admit you have cancer, you're not going to get any chemo treatment, right? You don't just go to chemo. I'm going to the chemo bar today. Hang out. No, dude, that doesn't happen. You got to admit your admit or accept the, admit the fact you're a sinner and you need a savior. That's that the B, Christy, what's the B? Oh, why are you looking at him, man? Believe. Yeah, believe that what Christ did on the cross pays for your sins. And you can only believe if God gives you ability to believe. And then the C stands for commit. Commit yourself to him. That's what the word believe means. When you commit yourself to him, you put everything, you, your faith and trust, everything you know about him, or everything you know about yourself, you commit to everything you know about him. Admit, believe, commit. I mean, sorry, what? <laughs> Admit, right? Believe. I have totally confused you guys now. 
You guys are going to go share the gospel like, oh, the Z stands for, no. Admit, believe, commit. It's simple. Just share with people what God has done with you. That's all they did. So he spoke that a great, he spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. So who was the one giving people the ability to believe? God. Who was giving people the desire to believe? God, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one doing the work. If you're saved, it was the Holy Spirit softening your hearts, giving you grace, which is the desire and ability. You just have to be willing and know that some are going to follow. So if nobody follows, you quit. No, because what the Great Commission says? He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. This is what Christ said after he came, after, uh, right before he rose, or before he ascended. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Is there any authority anywhere else? No. Every bit of authority was given to him. He said, so because of this authority, as you are going, make what? Disciples. Baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in case you forget or don't understand or you want to write a theology book and confuse what it means to make disciples, it's teaching others to observe what I've taught you. Teach others to observe what I've taught you on a daily basis. And he says, oh, by the way, just like we illustrated in the beginning, I'm with you always. So the one with all authority is with us always, and we've been given one job. <laughs> one job. Making disciples. Anything we do needs to be focused on that one job. You can go make hot dogs, but while you're making hot dogs, you better make disciples. You can go make youth groups, but while you're making youth groups, you better make disciples. You can go make whatever you want to make and call it church, but it's not unless you're making disciples. And it's not some magic formula. It's teaching others to observe what he's taught you. He ain't teaching you anything. You better check to see if you're a disciple. <clears throat> because one of the saddest parts of the Bible is in Matthew 7, where he starts dividing people up. And, and they start getting put in other, the wrong line. They're like, whoa, wait, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I, didn't I hear? Didn't I do this? Didn't I? And he said, yeah, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. You did all these things, but I never knew you. We didn't gnosko each other. We didn't have that intimate relationship. That's what it's about. You have an intimate relationship. You can teach others what he's taught you. So it is. Now it happened in Iconium. They went together to synagogue of the Jews. So he spoke. That's all he did to a great mul and a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. It could be any multitude, but it's whoever God gives the desire and the ability to. We just simply speak. But they believed, so some followed. Okay, here we see in the outline. All right, some fight. Some people don't want it. Some people don't like it. Is it our job to get in a fight with Gary? Are we supposed to fight with people if they reject the gospel? Are we supposed to get in a religious argument? Dude, put him in a holy headlock. I went to a seminar where they taught me how to hit him in the back of the knee so they will bend and I can get them to their knees. And when they're in that holy position, they will then surrender themselves to Christ. You think I'm joking, don't you? <laughs> That's not what we're supposed to do. They want to fight the Holy Spirit. You know what? We're available. We're full of love. We're full of the gospel, man. We're not here to fight. We're not here to be superior and win religious arguments. If somebody wants to legitimately understand, then we have a loving discussion. Man, some fight. Look at what happens here. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentile. The, the, what kind of Jews? Unbelieving. unbelieving. And, and that actual word, uh, unbelieving, can mean disobedient in the Greek. <laughs> They're disobedient because they didn't believe the gospel. But the unbelieving Jews 
they stirred it up because they're losing power. Everywhere Paul goes and Barnabas goes and they preach the gospel and people get saved, the people who were in power lose power. How much do people like to lose power? Anybody here like to lose power? I'm not talking about during hurricanes. I'm just talking about yeah, some authority you have. You know, you're following your group and all of a sudden they're now with other people. And they're like, whoa, that's what's happening here. They, so what did they do here? They're losing power. Look at their tactic and tell me. I'm going to tell you what Solomon said. Solomon said a long time ago, he said, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. The same tactic happens in people fighting us, whether we're sharing the gospel or trying to do whatever it is that's right. Some unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and look what it says. They what? Poison their what? Minds against the brethren. They slandered them. If you can't refute the message and you can't refute the results, well, man, let's just ruin the messenger. That sound familiar? I ain't getting political. I'm just talking worldwide right now. Anything, whether it's your job, it's our government, it's whoever. Man, if you can't refute the results and you can't, you know, uh, uh, refute the, the, the message, let's just kill and destroy the messenger. And boy, isn't our media and us participating in the media good at doing that? And I'm not talking just CNN and Fox. I'm talking about you and me on Facebook. You and me on whatever social media you got. You and me in our little private meetings with other people. And be careful of slander. The Bible says a lot about slander. And slander is not of God. Slander is when we're trying to destroy somebody. Because maybe they don't feel and believe the same way as us. So man, guess what? People are getting saved to so the unbelieving Jews. They start slandering Paul and Barnabas. And, and how, how hard is it to get slander to work? Do you not? How many of y'all believe that the majority of this world is gullible? Let me see your hand. Of course not us. Not the ones of us raising our hand. We're not gullible, right? What, what is that saying that they say? Before the truth even gets their running shoes on, the lie has already ran a mile. I don't know if that's really it, but that's kind of the thought. A lie gets going, man, before the truth even gets a chance to start. And this world is gullible. How many of you guys have found yourself guilty of believing something just because you heard it? Yeah. Dude, check it out. And by the way, when you check it out, don't just check your side out. Because all you're doing if you just check your side of the argument out is you are just simply bolstering your opinion. You know, sometimes we have to check the other side out and we're like, oh, no, that's tough. You know, you, got, you see it from another perspective. But the fact is, the, when it's all said and done, whose perspective do we have to see it from? God's perspective. So, again, you know, is this the right way? Is this the right way? Well, he's the only one who's going to tell us what's the right way. But if all we ever do is check this out, does God even have a chance to kind of maybe change our way of thinking? How many of you have ever had something that you believed in with your whole heart and soul, and then you're like, dude, wait, ooh, ooh, that wasn't quite right. Yeah. Maybe this was, yeah, it happens. We've got to check it out, and we've got to go to him. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brethren, so they slandered, basically, in all of this. That's how they choose to fight. Aren't you glad we don't fight that way? Yeah. Terry, you ever have anybody slander you in your company? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, practice. What do you do with it, man, when they slander you? <laughs> you do whatever God wants you to do with it. I told you something last week that I had heard from a wise man of God. He said, don't defend yourself the majority of the time because your enemies won't believe it and your friends won't need it. 
Don't defend yourself because your enemies won't believe it and your friends don't need it. You spend all your time defending yourself, then often the devil's accomplished what he wants to accomplish. He's got you so busy defending yourself, you're no longer doing the right thing anymore. So here's what happened. Let's see how they, 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 uh, how they acted. So some follow, some fight, but we must do what's right, no matter what the opposition is. We need to check. We need to do the right thing. So it says, therefore, they stayed what? Yeah, and when we hit the second part of this, you're going to see they took off running. So do we stay a long time or do we take off running? How do we know what to do? God tells us what to do. That's why, like, Zane and Matt and Terry, as God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, it was so important for Seth to be in the middle of them. And when they move, if God says stay, even though the opposition is great, what do you do? If God says go because the opposition is great, what do you do? You go. But if we just operate off our default modes, we're going to make a lot of bad decisions. Because mark my words, most of the wrong decisions we make are because it's good short-term consequences. We make bad decisions a lot because we look at what's good for me right now, short-term. And in the long run, we'll just deal with those later. And then they catch up, and then I get to talk to you as a pastor. <laughs> it's called pastoral counseling, isn't it? Yeah. When all those long terms come in. So he says, therefore, they stayed how long? A long time. Hey, do we really know how long they stayed? I, I was trying to follow and look. All the Holy Spirit tells us that it was a long time. How many of you all have had a long time be like under 60 seconds? <laughs> and a long time could be 60 years. So it's kind of we don't know what that long time is. It was a long time for Paul and Barnabas. And I think what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us is they wanted to leave a few times. They're like, can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Man, I want to get out of here. I want. And the Holy Spirit's like, no. So however long it was, I think it was too long for them, carnally speaking, but it was the amount of time God wanted them to leave. And their obedience to him was more important than what they were feeling. We can justify anything, can't we? We need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. And what were they doing while they were there? Like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. I'm just staying here because God wants me here. I can't wait till he gets me out of here. Any of y'all ever stay that way? <laughs> In a bad mood? <laughs> not accomplishing anything for the kingdom? Not being a good ambassador? Well, it's just temporary. You know, you would be saying about this service right now. I'm just here getting some brownie points with God. No, you're not, actually, all right? <laughs> Look at staying a long time but what were they doing when they were staying tell me what was it say speaking what that's what they're supposed to be doing wherever they go they're a lampstand and 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 they're the light and god is the master of the lampstand and says okay i'm gonna put you here right now all right i'm gonna put you here right now i'm gonna put you here have you ever been someplace and you wondered what in the world you were doing there i'm telling you that's your purpose you are the lampstand. If that ain't where you're supposed to be going and that ain't going to work, you get kicked out. He'll move you. No problem. They stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to what? What was God bearing witness? Sometimes we want to hit the bottom part and see how he was bearing witness, and we will deal with that. But I want you to see what he was bearing witness to. He was bearing witness to the what? The word of his grace. Hey, so the word was what they were speaking, which was his word. And what is the grace? What is grace? Grace, according again, I've been using this definition out of Philippians 2.13. Grace is, is the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do. 
So God was giving them a word of the gospel. He was giving them grace, the desire and ability to accept it. And so he was coming at them with a new message. For the Jews, it was a totally new message. For the, for the, the heathens, who were the, the Gentiles, this was like whacked out message. You know, it made no sense at all. So there had to be some proof it was coming from God in here. But, but the same thing that he's going to bear witness to today is the same thing he bore, bear witness to there. The word of his grace. You give the word, his grace is going to give them the desire and ability to accept it. And then it's up to them to do that. Now, how did God do that? He was granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Let me ask you a question. If, if I preach, how many of y'all believe I'm preaching the truth right now? Anybody believe I'm preaching the truth? Why do you believe I'm preaching the truth? Because where am I getting it from? I'm getting it from his word. That's the only authority that I need. What if I don't do a miracle? What if I do not put hair on this man's head? I'm just joking. No, I know. If you've got to wash it and spend money on it, right? And that would be the problem if I was doing miracles. If it was up to me, I'd give you stuff you don't want, bro. But I'm just saying. I'm not saying God can't do miracles, and he doesn't. He can do anything instantly if he chooses to. But do I need him to do signs and wonders right now for you to believe that what I'm telling you is the truth? No, because we have the word of God and he's given you the desire and ability to believe that this word is the truth. This word is all we need. That's what he's given us. But did they have that? Did they have even an inkling of the, of the New Testament yet, Seth? They had nothing. They had the Old Testament. This is totally new. Even a new translation, a new rendition of what was going on in the Old Testament. And so they, that, that was a way that God had to prove that what was coming out of these guys was from him. Now, can God still do this today? Absolutely. He could do whatever he wants to do. But does he have to do this for you to know I'm preaching the truth? But you better go back and every time I preach, be a Berean. I think we'll even get to those guys here coming up in Acts. They heard the preaching from these guys and they went back and studied it for themselves. Instead of being gullible. How many of y'all know that most people in the world are gullible? Let me see your hands. you believe that? Yeah. Except you guys. <laughs> but how many times we just believe something because it's said. And then it spreads like wildfire. It just gets built on after that and it's messed up. Dude, God backed it up. These guys were pagans that had never heard any Bible before. They had Jews that heard a whole different thing. And so they're throwing down some signs and wonders that are from nobody but God to back it up to say, this is God. This is God doing this. And believe me, if you needed that to believe what I'm preaching, God would give me that. Okay? God would give it to me. But you evidently don't need it because I ain't got it. <laughs> I, maybe I got it in a different way. I'm just saying that we have that completed word of God. And that's our final authority in there. I'm not saying God can't do it. I'm not saying he doesn't do it. And, and I even heard Chuck Smith. This is interesting. Chuck Smith, he's the founder of Calvary Chapel. And um, I was reading his commentary on all this. He said, maybe the reason we don't have this is because these guys, think about, let's ask a question. What did they do for 90 miles? What do you think they did for 90 miles as they're walking from Antioch to Iconium? Well, yeah, they prayed. They, yeah, they preached if they saw anybody, you know. They probably didn't see many people. They prayed. They were, they were meditating on the word. I mean, who's going to talk to you for 90 miles except me? 
I'm just saying, you go 90 miles with me, dude, I don't stop. But I'm just saying, for most people, you go 90 miles, you got some quiet time. We want to go two miles down the road. What do we do? We hop in the car. We turn on the radio. We are so adverse to quiet time, aren't we? We call a little couple five minutes in, in the daily bread, Zane. We call a little five minutes in daily bread, quiet time with God. When does God get to speak to us? James, the half-brother of Jesus who wrote that book, he was called Camel Knees because he, that was the most noticeable factor. Ladies, how'd you like that? You come into your skirt and they're like, oh, hey, Camel Knees. It's like, well, you would if you knew why they had Camel Knees. Because he was on his knees so much that that was the most distinguishing factor about him, being on his knees praying. Wow, what's the most distinguishing factor of you and me? You know, he's on his knees praying and man, they spent, when's the last time you spent 12 hours praying, praying all, that's all over the place. The reformers, the, the, the pilgrims, dude, they would look at us and how much time we spend with Christ. They wouldn't even think we're saved. And my point is what Chuck Smith was kind of saying is that maybe we just don't spend as much time with God as people in the past had because we're so easily distracted. Now, admittedly, he said, why don't we see these things in our church right now? And, and, part, and he says, I really don't know. But he said, possibly, because we just don't have that focus on God the way they had it. You know? And I'm not saying the manifestations would be the same way. But, wow, if you were to spend eight times, ten times as much time with God right now that you do, than you already do, do you think things would be different? What do you think, Bill? I mean, dude, it's snowing in Indianapolis. What else you got to do? Oh, business. I'm sorry. No. But seriously, if we spent hours upon hours on our face before God, do you think we'd be seeing and experiencing some things we are now? Yeah. But we live in the most distracted generation of all times. And do you think it's going to get any better for our kids? No. So again, I'm just saying in the context of this, there had to be something to back up this, that this was coming from God. It was new stuff, man. But I guarantee you that if we were to start really spending some real time with God, just us and Him, that's one of the things I love about paddleboarding by myself, is I just get to talk. We don't have to have a group to go paddleboard. Take your board, borrow one of mine, just go. While you're there, man, God can just show you some magnificent things. We need that quiet time. How many of y'all remember when Sony introduced, what was the first one they introduced? The walk, what was it? The Walkman. I remember the youth pastor. And then, man, and, and, and now, dude, we've got stuff that'll encompass all of our, all of our senses. We, we don't, we've trained a generation to not want to have quiet time, to not want to have things silent, to not want to sit and think. How many of you go absolutely bonkers, bored out of your, all right, no, I'll ask this. How many of you have a spouse that would go absolutely bonkers bored out of their mind if they had to sit there in silence. You should raise your hand, honey. Yeah. That's why paddling's good, because I don't have to use my mind, but I'm thinking. Yeah. So, man, all I'm saying here is these guys, they went and um, they stayed there a long time because that's where God wanted them. Speaking boldly in the Lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. Don't miss that. To the word of his grace. That's what he wants you sharing, the word of his grace, the word that he's going to have grace on that's going to take something dead and make it alive. Is there anything else in the world that can take something dead and make it alive? It's him. And 
He's going to back it up any way he needs to. He's going to, in this case, as I just shared with you, you believe me because God's given you the desire and ability to believe his word. Now, again, we see this again. I'm going to try to be a little quicker on this. Okay, so, so help me out with the three things again. Somewhat. Follow some. Fight. And we have to do. That's it. I hope you remember that little cheesy Dr. Zeus rhyme right there. Some follow, some fight. But we have to do what's right. That actually could be a cheer. Get your daughter to do a chair, to design a chair, okay, Erica? And, and we'll bring palm palms. All right, so some follow. Here we go again. All right, so, but the multitude of the city was divided. Part of them sided with the Jew, even in spite of the slander. Some of them still wanted to believe. Some, and they, some sided with the Jews, some sided uh, with the apostles. So the, the city was divided. There were still people that wanted to follow. But more importantly in this story, most of the people wanted to fight. And check out the extent of this fight. I heard somebody say one time to a pastor at a pastor's conference, he said, Sir, what is the death? How do you define a great man? How would you define a great man? And think about that in your own head right now. This pastor said something so wise, so bold, so profound. When they asked him, how do you define a great man? He said, by what it takes to make him quit. That's how you define a great man or a woman of God, by what it takes to make you quit. Now, yes, I know we have perseverance of the saints. And if you are truly a believer that you are saved and you will be saved and you, you may go away, but you're coming back. You can never fully leave. But the fact is, is that oftentimes we quit what we're supposed to be doing, which is that one job. And we go find an easier one. Honestly, that's why we don't share the gospel. We have now come into some comfortable Christianity where we can do anything but that and call it Christianity. And if you want me to prove it, I could take an individual survey on a piece of paper of how many here shared the gospel today, how many shared the gospel this week of us when that's our one job. I'm not saying none of y'all did, but I bet I could prove my point if each one of you did a secret, a secret ballot and threw it in there. Because... How many of y'all would just say, I'm uncomfortable sharing the gospel? It's uncomfortable. You don't even want to put your hand up admitting that. It is. I see Linda over there going, yes, yes, okay, it is. It is. I'm as bold as can be, but I sometimes have fear. That's why I got to know. I don't share the gospel with everybody. I'm willing to, but I share the gospel with those God wants me to, but I got to be soul conscious as I'm walking through Walmart, as I'm walking through the water, as I'm walking around. Who do you want me to share this gospel with? That's what I got to do. That's what we've got to do. So look at, look at, tell me if this would not cause you to quit. And when a violent attempt, a violent attempt, anybody ever had a violent attempt on their life for sharing the gospel? That's where they're at. They stayed a long time. God said, don't leave. And they're like, uh, they're starting to get violent. A violent attempt was made. Uh, and this word attempt literally means charged at. They literally, what it means in the Greek is that they, that they, was, they were charged at. So these guys are coming. I mean, it, it's like this is all happening. They're getting ready to be overtaken. A violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews who were gullible that listened to the unbelieving Jews of all the slander. And they just believed it because it was sad and it sounded good. And it would now cause me not to change my life. Whew. Got rid of all my conviction. So when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers, this whole town's against them. And what did the town want to do? They wanted to what? Abuse them. 
And, and what's the last part? Stone them. Hey, listen, here's what I used to think stoning was. Everybody's grabbing stones and they're throwing them at you and you're running out of town. Oh, that one got me in the back, you know. And you're running and you're making out. That's not what stoning was. You know what stoning was? Stoning was where if I was being stoned, they would take and dig probably uh, an, an, an eight-foot circumference circle, and they would dig it just deep enough to be over my head. And the person leading the stoning would take a giant stone. The two or three witnesses would have to carry. They would take that giant stone, the two or three witnesses, and they would drop it on me. Where am I going to run? I can't run. The idea was when you drop that giant stone on the person, they fell down and they were crushed. Hopefully they were killed in a merciful way, according to, you know, their theology. And once they threw that stone and I was now under that stone, everybody else who was part of the stoning would drop stones on me. And before you know it, I would be what? Buried, dead or alive. And the bottom line, they would actually even leave heaps of stones to show how many people believed that person was wrong. It wasn't me and you running out and only the good baseball players were hitting us. That wasn't it at all, dude. They dropped a stone, then they buried you in there. That's what's getting ready to happen to them. You ever have to fire a shotgun prayer up to God? God, what do I do now? <laughs> if you are walking with God, Seth, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit surrounding you. What, what do you think they're going to maybe do at that point? You don't know. They may keep you right there like they did with Stephen. Or they may do like what they're going to do with them. And all three of them say, run! <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's kind of what happened. Check this out. We got to do what's right. What's right is what God told us to do. We're almost done with this. He said, they became aware of it, um, Paul and Barnabas. Why? How did they become aware of it? Who, who warned them? Who God. told them? God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Plus, they might have seen the guys coming with the one big stone. All right? But they're like, what do we do now, God? Shotgun prayer. And so God was now, you know, that God was leading them. They became aware of it. They fled. <laughs> so, man, sometimes we're walking. Sometimes we're flying. Sometimes we're crawling. Sometimes we're fleeing. We're running. And they're running to, how do we say this word, Mia? Lystra? Would you say that's good? Huh? Lystra, like Listerine. Yeah, I got you. Lystra. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so they, they fled to Lystra. Lystra was, I think, 20 miles away. <laughs> they're running for 20 miles. It's a little mini marathon, all right? And so they fled because God's leading them. And they went to Lystra and to Derby, cities of Lyconia, and the surrounding region. Now, what purpose would there be for them going there? What would you say the purpose of them running is? What would be the purpose of you running? Help me out. Obvious one. To escape, to escape the, the turmoil and escape the, the, the death that's so imminent to them, right? How many of y'all would say that's probably it? You're like, I'm not answering that because I know it's a trick question. It is. Look. Look at verse 7. And they were preaching the gospel there. Hey, going back real quick. Hey, what famous Christian, just regular old Christian, same, same boat as us, only different seat. What famous Christian probably gave his life to the Lord there along with his mom and some other famous Christians in Lystra who became very special to Paul? Timothy. So you check this out. They're getting ready to drop big stones and stone them. Oh, this is it. I quit. I've had enough. There was more to it. God starts moving, we move. But it only happens as we are staying right in the center of God's will, as we are in his presence, experiencing his power, seeing life from his perspective. And as he moves, we move. 
So often we don't know what our next move is because we're not living in his presence. We're not living in his power and seeing life from his perspective. We've got to make that life in itself. Paul said, you think he had some experience when he said this? He said to live is what? To live is Christ. <laughs> There's nothing more to my life than Christ living in this presence. Dude, you saw the size of the rock they're fixing to drop on us. You'd say that too, to live is Christ. But then after being in heaven, which we might talk about later another day, he then said, but to die is what? Amen. Which means it's better. <laughs> he had been to heaven and said, dude, it's way better to be there than here. But evidently, God must think I need to be here for you. So get what you need so I can go to heaven. I'm still here. <laughs> that was where Paul was saying. So look at this, man. They took off. Because the Holy Spirit was leading them, not because they were going to die. To live as Christ, to die was better. Now, he didn't know that at this point yet. He hadn't learned that lesson yet, but he's learning it here. And they went to these cities in the surrounding region, and again, they were preaching the gospel there. Wherever they went, what were they doing? What were they doing, Camille? Wherever they went, preaching the gospel. And gospel means good news. It's not bad news. You're going to hell. It's good news. You don't have to go to hell. I, the one who saved me wants to save you. I've got good news. And some are going to what? Some are going to. But we, no matter what, have to do what? Do what's right. And in case you need that, it's right there. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this word. It, it's almost a redundant theme in the book of Acts. Um, we could use this outline from here on out because all they do is share the gospel. And they see that some follow. They see that some fight. But they just keep doing what's right. And then, Father, you use these same guys in the book of Acts. You use the same ones to write church epistles and write other epistles. And in those epistles, all they're encouraging people to do is that one job. And that is to make disciples sharing that good news of Jesus Christ because that's what the church does. And they tell us how to deal with it when people follow, how to lead them, how to, how to have people who don't know anything about you, God, and, and learn how to have a thriving, loving relationship with you, understanding what your word says. And they also teach us how to deal with people who want to fight us. But no matter what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to do what's right. We're supposed to do what you want us. So, Father, I pray that the pressures of this life, whether they're coming from this enemy, whether they're coming from our flesh, or just simply this world system we live in, I pray that these pressures would not get in between us and you. But I pray that they would be used to push us closer to you. Father, I pray that the wind and the waves and the water that are out to destroy us in this life, Father, only make us more beautiful, like a beautiful piece of driftwood. Pray that we would see it's all to make us more like you. Father, again, I pray if there's someone here not sure where they're going when they die, not sure where they'd be going if you were to come right now, that today you would give them the desire and ability to believe that they are sinners and they cannot pay for their own sins because their sins have already been paid for. There's only one way to have them paid for, and that's to accept your only way, which is Christ. I pray they would be able to understand that what Jesus did on the cross is a perfect man and 100% God, never sinning, 
died on a cross to pay for their sins and is inviting us to be a part of that family. Father, give them a desire they can't refuse. And then help them understand that once they surrender themselves, they have eternal life. And now they become an ambassador for you. Father, take this word and use your Holy Spirit as a sword that's sharper than any two-edged sword to get into every crevice that each of us needed to get in so that we become better forever for you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.